as we always know, um, you know, this is a class on the book of Proverbs trying to understand uh, what does God say about what makes the good life. And you know, if you were with us last week, we're just kind of doing an overview about, um, you know, what this is. And so we were seeing how Proverbs is all about living the truly blessed life. You know, we saw how uh, blessed is the idea of what is truly the most happy or fortunate uh, reality that a person can be in. Right? And this is what God is offering um, his people. Uh, and so the way that we live the blessed life comes from living the wise life. Right? And we talked about how wisdom is the art of living well. It's the idea of a skill. Right? So knowing how to uh, go through life, making decisions, you know, choosing the right priorities, responding to the ups and downs of circumstances in a way that's skillful in the sight of God. Uh, knowing what is going to be truly the best types of decisions that you can have and that you can make. And so there were kind of three major clarifications that we were trying to hit on uh, when we're understanding how to read this book properly, right? We saw how Proverbs are a group of principles and not promises. So you don't read the Proverbs and say, it says this, right? It says that if you live in the fear of God, you will be blessed. Therefore, if I pursue God, everything will go awesome for me. I'll get the promotions I want. You know, my family's going to be really, really uh, righteous or whatever. Um, that's not how the Proverbs work, right? These are general truths, things that we know generally happen, but it's not going to always happen because there are always exceptions to the rule. Um, we also saw how the Proverbs are a perspective on wisdom and not the perspective on wisdom. And by that, we're just saying that scriptures give us a number of wisdom books, right? So you have Job, um, you have Ecclesiastes. And so uh, we have to understand that you don't read this and think, well, if I just read this one proverb about raising my kids rightly, this is the end all be all. Because as we see through the rest of the wisdom literature, as we see through the rest of scripture, um, there's a whole gamut of biblical principles that we have to think about, right? And so we read Proverbs knowing these are generally true, but we also understand the importance of reading all of scripture. Uh, and the last thing that we saw is that as we're reading these Proverbs, we have to recognize that what we're seeing are not always one size fits all statements. And so we even saw um, one, you know, kind of pairing where it almost seems like these two Proverbs are telling you to do the opposite things. And the reason for that is because wisdom principles have to be applied case by case. It's not always that you read this one proverb about how to discipline your kids, and that's going to be the NLBL in every single circumstance. We understand, we understand that it takes wisdom to know how to properly apply God's word in general, but especially when it comes to uh, the book of Proverbs. And so one of the challenges I gave for us, you know, this past week was to consider reading uh, Proverbs 1 through 9. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask anyone to, you know, raise your hands. But if you did that exercise, or if you've read through Proverbs 1 through 9, you know, you understand that this is in, in general God's appeal to the reader. Right. We talked about how chapters one through nine is really the opening intro where Paul is, or where um, Solomon is basically exhorting us to seriously pursue wisdom. And then as you go into chapters 10 to 31, that's the wisdom proper. Right. In other words, you need the heart posture. You need the mentality which Solomon's developing over chapters one to nine if you want to be able to properly understand wisdom. And if you were to read through those chapters, whether you did it this past week or if you do it at some point in the near future, uh, you hear how uh, Solomon is very much presenting the idea that there are these two different paths that we can go down. Uh, it was making me think of something I went through a couple of years back. Um, see, when I was in uh, seminary, there was the opportunity to uh, pursue missions work in Asia. 
And so I was very much kind of in this feeling of a crossroads. You know, I was in uh, Los Angeles getting ready to finish up in the next year or so. Uh, there were some potential opportunities to uh, pastor or do ministry here in the States. Um, there was an opportunity to do this overseas in Asia. And, and that was kind of a big situation that I had to wrestle through. Because I realized, right, even from the limited experience I had in countries like China or Taiwan or Singapore or Thailand, um, life is completely different. And so I was even imagining in my head that if I really did go down that path of moving over to China, for instance, my entire life would be drastically different. Uh, the people that I would know over the course of years and befriend would be a totally different group of people. Um, the cultural expectations, the ways that people relate to one another, that's going to be a whole different world. Uh, potentially, the person that I would even marry could be completely different, right? It might have been someone that was actually from one of those countries. And if I were to then live there and start a family and potentially have kids uh, who then lived and grew up there, they would look and act completely different uh, than people that grew up in the, the U.S., Right? And again, I'm very glad that in God's sovereignty, I stayed in the U.S. You know, I've now even moved all the way here to St. Louis, right? But, you know, I think you, you very quickly realize just by a couple key decisions you make, right, your life can look incredibly different, whether it's because of where you move to or the person that you marry or pursue or the job that you want. All of that makes a huge difference for what the future could look like. And in Proverbs, what you're hearing is that there are these two different paths before every single one of us, right? It's the path of wisdom and the path of folly. And so if you were to read chapters one through nine, you're, you're hearing this type of comparison brought up in different ways, right? Uh, that you can either walk down this path of wisdom, which is what God is trying to offer as the path of blessedness, or you can go down this path of folly in which there are going to be significant consequences. Your life will look very different depending on how uh, you decide to move forward. And, and that's what we see in these nine chapters. And so what I wanted to do today is to talk a little bit about what does it look like to actually flee from folly? You know, we're going to look at this in just a second, but the idea is that all of us as people, we naturally go down one particular route. And so in order for us to break off of that route, to know wisdom and to pursue God's path, it actually takes a lot of significant work. It's not something that just happens automatically. Um, I, I think about it like if you've ever been to an airport where you've seen those, I don't know what you call it, but it's like those, those escalators that just move forward. Do, do you guys know the term for that, whatever it's called? Yeah. Uh, Oh, sure. If it's called the conveyor belt. Yeah, I don't know the name, right? Basically, once you're on that, you can just sit there and you're going to move forward, right? You're going to eventually reach the end of your destination. It's the, it's the summary of the American way. Do nothing, put in no effort, and it will be fine. You will eventually get to where you need to go. But, uh, you know, the, the pursuit of wisdom or fall is almost like we're on one of those conveyor belts or whatever it is called. That naturally speaking, if we don't work, if we don't act intentionally, we're going to go down the path of folly. And it actually takes a lot of uh, effort and uh, a strenuous exercise to be able to move off of that path to go against the grain if you want to actually go down a different direction. And so that's what we're going to look at together. Um, how do we actually flee from folly, know how to pursue wisdom? Uh, what does that look like? And, and what are the heart postures that we need to have for this to actually happen? So uh, if you have the notes in front of you, you know, the first category or uh, the first section we have are going to be follies categories. 
All right, so we, this is just kind of a character study, an expose of the different types of people um, that we can be. I think last week we already looked a little bit about what the wise person looks like, especially how um, that person who's truly wise is living in the fear of the Lord. They have the right understanding of who God is and, and why we need to love and worship him. Um, but also there's a number of other categories that we have to consider, which we see especially in Proverbs 122, which is here on the screen. Um, here's what it says. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Uh, right here, we see three major categories of people that are often referenced in the book of Proverbs, right? So generally, you can think about it as four or three and a half. You have the wise individual, which we've seen last week. You have the simple, you have the fool, and then a type of fool is the scoffer. All right, so here we have a couple definitions. The simple person is a person who just doesn't know any better. And the way that you can understand this word is this is every single person's natural starting point in life. When we first are born, as we're first going through life, uh, we are simple. And this is the idea of a person that's uh, gullible or naive, uh, doesn't have a sense of sense or wisdom. Uh, the picture that you often see in Proverbs is a person that's just kind of bumbling through life, not knowing really what's going on, and will just naturally fall into all kinds of traps and pitfalls without realizing it. Uh, just think about the most naive uh, person you can imagine. Um, okay, I, I won't say what I was going to say. <laughs> but I'll use myself as an example, right? So I was homeschooled. And I was very much the, the you know, quintessential picture of this kind of naive, gullible individual. I'm not saying every single homeschool person is, which is almost where I went. But, you know, naturally speaking, right, you know, if, if you had my kind of personality and, and you were the type of individual I was, not really seeing a lot of other people, it was like the perfect, you know, sandbox to just create the most gullible, naive person in existence, right? I, I remember at one point we were doing this uh, sailboat simulation where basically a bunch of the students and their families were um, having to live on this boat, you know, for kind of an overnight stay. And uh, one of the crew members trying to really bring you into this feeling of living this kind of hard, uh, you know, pirate ship captain lifestyle would say, you know, uh, we always make the people clean the toilets, right? And you're going to have to clean it so well that at the end of it, you're going to take a piece of bread, you're going to wipe it around the rim, and you're going to eat it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't worry. I didn't do it, but I was this close to doing it because I said, oh, really? That's what I have to do? Oh, man, that's not good. <laughs> and again, the, the um, worker realizing she doesn't want to get sued or anything is like, no, 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 it's, you're not going to actually have to do it. You know, that's just part of, of how they were creating the simulation and illusion of the kind of crazy life you're going to have to live. Um, but in my naivety, in my simplicity in mind, I, I couldn't discern, right, if she was being real or not. I, I couldn't see, man, like, is this a good idea? Is this not? I guess if this authority figure is telling me to, I kind of have to. You know, I had no level of discernment. Um, but that's exactly what you see here in the simple person in Proverbs, right? In Proverbs 14, 15, which I think I listed there, it says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps, right? What it means to be a simple individual in the wisdom of Proverbs is you just don't know what you don't know. 
You're gonna go down whatever path people are telling you. You don't know what's gonna lead to um, safety. You don't know what's gonna lead to harm. And furthermore, this simple-minded person in Proverbs uh, is, is often drawn to harm because they feel confident in their own self-judgment. Right? A, a proverb you can look up later is Proverbs 22, verse 3. Because they're so confident in themselves, they don't know when they're going down a path that's going to lead to some type of, of destruction down the road. Uh, and so all of us start there, but we never stay there. Right? We start off being a, kind of a simple individual, a naive individual, but we're always progressing in one of these two paths. Uh, and so the natural path, if we're staying on this conveyor belt, if we're not growing in our wisdom and fear of the Lord, is we eventually become what Proverbs calls the fool, which I'm, I'm not trying to be mean in this description. I just think that's literally what you're saying uh, in the text. The fool is a person who suffers from stubborn stupidity. And what that is, again, is like the simple-minded person where you're going to get into all kinds of terrible circumstances and situations, right? You're just going to not make the right decisions as we're going to break down the next couple of weeks of the kinds of people that you associate with, the, the decisions you make around money and your finances and work, the way that you just process life in general. You're not going to make the right, times of, the right types of decisions. You're going to get in all types of trouble but what makes the fool so dangerous is you're so confident and stubborn in your ways. And right, so there I think we have Proverbs 1.7. Uh, it says, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Right? That's something we looked at last week. But in the second half says this, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the, the picture of the fool, what makes this posture so dangerous is you might be hearing all types of wisdom, Right, whether it comes from scripture, from God's people, or in, from whatever direction it comes from, but you don't want to hear it. Uh, you'll listen to all types of good counsel and think, you know what, you really don't know better, I know better. I'm going to trust in my own way. Uh, and again, it's this idea of an obstinate or stubborn heart, where the more that you hear it, the more you'll just reject it. No matter how much you're getting counsel, that will actually just reinforce your own heart posture that, you know what, I know that I'm right. I got it right. Everyone else is wrong. You know, get off of my back. Um, so that's the posture that you see here in um, The Fool. Right? And again, I'm not trying to belittle anyone that follow, falls in that category. This is what you see as you read all the Proverbs about the nature of The Fool. Uh, but there's one other category. <clears throat> And this is very much connected to a fool. It's just a more intense version. It's called the scoffer. You see that a lot in Proverbs. It's a fool who more aggressively lashes out. And so in that uh, passage there, Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 says this. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Right? So if the, the fool, as described in the Bible, is one who's just going to reject what's wise counsel and wisdom, they just don't want to listen to it, and they say, no, I, I'm not going to hear it. The scoffer is the type of fool that's going to hear it, reject it, but then actually lash back out at you, right? where you're going to actually be hurt, whether that's verbally or physically. Um, the, the level of rejection is so strong that the person will actually say, you know what, I'm going to go on the offensive to make you stop talking to me. 
And so these are generally some of the, the categories that you see in Proverbs. We already looked at the wise individual, but then on the negative side, you have all of these categories as well. We all start off as a simple person, right? Think about the beginning of our path in life as being that of naivety. But then as time goes on, depending on the decisions we're making, depending on the, the counsel we're listening to or not, we're either going to become the individual that's marked with wisdom or the person that's marked with folly. Um, it's always going to be one of the two. And the question is, which path are we on? So if you were to read Proverbs 1 through 9, and even as it goes on into the, the wisdom proper, you hear a lot of warnings about this path. Right? And that's kind of the, the second category that we have under your, your notes is the, the consequences of folly. And we're going to actually read a couple of these passages just because I want us to be able to marinate on this. Right? Sometimes it's easy where you're, you're hearing a sermon, you're reading 500 verses, you think about it for you know, two seconds and then you move on. Um, but sometimes it, it's really helpful to actually let it stew in your mind or your ears to think, okay, this is God's wisdom and warning for us. And so what you see in the book of Proverbs is that if you are going down this path of folly, where you're not listening to God's wisdom, you're not listening to proper counsel, but you're walking in your own steps, um, life is not going to go well for you. And so can we actually get three people that are willing to read these passages? Um, for the first one, we'll just do a couple verses there, but we'll read each three. Uh, can someone do the first one, Proverbs 1? Okay, Pat. Uh, can we get someone to read Proverbs 17, 12? Okay. And the last one we'll read all of it is Proverbs 26, 6 to 11. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know which part of that in a second. Uh, can someone read the last part, Proverbs 26? Okay, great. So, Pat, if you can just read, again, I would encourage you to go back and, and meditate on this, study it uh, when you can. Let's just go ahead and read 24 to 26. Because I called you and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and read down to verse 29. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Hmm. Yeah, and so again, this whole section is something that I would encourage all of us to go back to and really listen. Um, if you were to hear this appeal, again, you often hear wisdom personified where in this case is represented as a, a woman will often speak out to the simple-minded, or they will speak out to the fool saying, listen to me, right? Listen to the counsel and the wisdom of God. Uh, and then here, what you're seeing is that eventually after she speaks, after wisdom speaks out, uh, when people don't listen to her, basically God is saying destruction is going to come. Um, there will be consequences to the mistakes that we make. And just to even read again, verse 26, it's saying, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. And, and that's not saying that God literally, right, when we sin or when we make mistakes, is sitting there saying, ha, you know, you deserve it. 
But it's this you know, picture trying to describe that when we fall into the consequences of folly, basically, we deserve it. Um, we're getting our just desserts. And that description is trying to help us realize just how serious it is that there's the opportunity to respond to God's wisdom, but if we don't heed it, there will be significant consequences. So again, you can read that later on, but let's move on to Proverbs 17, verse 12. Let a man be a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Yeah, that's one verse, but I hope you hear just how serious that is. Let a person meet a she-bear or basically a mother bear that doesn't have her cubs than a person that's a fool, right? If you guys have ever seen certain movies or National Geographic, right, where you see what a, a mother bear could do when she feels that her cubs are threatened or she doesn't know where they are, right, they go on an absolute rampage, right? Uh, those types of bears will literally maul and destroy a person that's in front of them, right? That's why you have to be very careful if you're ever in nature, where I will never be. But if you're ever going to, you know, <laughs> campgrounds or something, all of you can consider that as something to, to watch out for. Um, but the proverb is saying, as, as bad as that is, it would be better if you meet that kind of bear than if you were to see and meet with a fool in God's eyes. Right? That is a striking statement to say the level of destruction that will be brought into your life if you're surrounding yourself with folly will be that much worse than literally getting gored to death. And again, it's a proverb, right? It's not a literal type of statement, but it's something that we have to seriously pay attention to. That's how serious it is to pursue wisdom and to not listen to folly. Um, here, we're going to go to this last uh, section in Proverbs 26, and it's a series of statements, but just let each one kind of sit with you for a moment. So uh, if we can go ahead and read it. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Hopefully you guys are hearing that, right? It's, it's every single direction. The proverb is slapping you in the face to say, realize how dangerous this is, right? And, and again, I, I would encourage you to go back and read and, and think about the imagery. It's, in some sense, it could be kind of seen as, as hilarious or funny, but it's crazy the level of destruction that comes, right? If you were to listen to a fool, it's like an archer that's just shooting off arrows without even realizing what's going on. That's the level of destruction that comes from folly. Uh, and so again, here are three kind of summary proverb sections you can read. There, there's a lot more that kind of come throughout the book, but it's trying to capture this idea, right? There are going to be significant consequences, um, dangerous consequences if, if we're living in folly. If we're not pursuing the wisdom of God, there will be uh, negative effects on our life. And I think what you're seeing through these uh, verses is that, you know, as Christians, we can always find forgiveness, right? But grace does not negate the consequences of our actions as well. And so as believers, right, saved by grace, we're not saved by our actions. If we truly know Christ, we will be forgiven for every single 
uh, mistake that we make. Every single sin that we commit, there is always freedom and grace in the cross. Um, at the same time, though, right, because we're living in real time, our sinful or foolish actions can have real consequences that just because we're forgiven doesn't mean that they instantly go away. Right? You think about the, the individual that uh, you know, gets into significant debt because they're making the wrong types of decisions. Can they be forgiven? Absolutely. But they're still going to have that debt. Right? Your credit score may be affected or, or whatever it may be. A, a woman who you know, gets pregnant out of wedlock, right? You know, God uh, isn't condemning that child, but there's going to be long-term changes to an individual's life based on certain actions. Um, there will always be uh, consequences. Pastor Jerry? Yeah, I was just going to say when I was studying about a fool, Yeah. But the deficiency of their understanding of life and their rejection of God, that's being a fool. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. It's not an intellectual deficiency, it's a moral deficiency. All right, going back to our definition of the wise person or where wisdom is found, it's all in our relation to the Lord. How we relate to him, our heart posture before him, if we see him as being the God who he is, who deserves glory, right, as we just heard from John 17, or for living for our own glory, right? That's very much the path of wisdom versus the path of the fool. And so we have to realize as God is warning us through the Proverbs that, yeah, there are going to be consequences to our actions. Um, but again, we could spend the entire hour just going person by person saying, what are some things in your life that you regret? Right? I know that there would be so much um, good counsel Right, from experience that all of us can share from the mistakes that we've made. And if you've never done that with uh, other people, I would encourage you to do that. Um, but you know, maybe just to lighten up a little bit, I also want to remind us this truth at the bottom, that God redeems us even from the consequences of our actions. Right? And so we need to sit with the truth that our foolish decisions do have long-term effects. Right? There is a price to pay, so to speak, but at the same time, we know that God redeems. He uses every single action, every single mistake, also for our good. Right? You know, Romans 8, 28 to verse 30, that God works all things you know, for his glory and for our good. Right? He refines us even through the mistakes that we make. Uh, that Genesis 50, 20 passage is basically um, the one where you know, Joseph is uh, sold into slavery. Um, but he's able to say, hey, these horrible things that happen, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so we also want to hold these things in balance, right? Yes, there can be significant um, negative consequences, detriments to our life because of the foolish mistakes that we make. But at the same time, even if you've experienced that, even if you do something in the future which causes that, it, you know, one of the, the graces we have is we know that God is using all things to accomplish his glory and our good as well. So just something to think about there. 
Um, okay, so that brings us then to this last question where I want to camp a little bit. Uh, and this is going to be wisdom's curriculum. You know, the reason we were going over everything we did was not so we can sit forever and say how horrible people can be, um, but to remind us of how seriously we need to take our pursuit of wisdom. To say, you know, if we pursue folly, which is running away from the Lord, yeah, there's going to be significant consequences, but that's not where God is trying to leave us, right? He, he brings up all these warnings so we can say, I need to pursue God's wisdom. And so we're going to look in a second about what this looks like, but I just wanted to open up to all of us here. Um, you know, fr from your knowledge of scripture, uh, of Proverbs, um, how can we as believers um, flee folly and pursue wisdom? What do you guys think? Okay, uh, read, read your Bible. Why? Because it's God's word. And uh, I guess, uh, like, you are what you eat, basically. Mm. Okay, yeah, so obviously it's God's word, the source of counsel, and, and what you're taking in, you eventually become like. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, other thoughts. How is it that we can pursue wisdom? Yeah, I think. Yeah. And there is so, at least from my perspective, there's so much more folly out there than there is wisdom. And so knowing wisdom positively mm -hmm. gives you the ability to say, well, anything that's not that has to be foolishness. Yeah. Right? Instead of trying to understand all the different perspectives out there and, and all the details. Just like Pat said, just knowing God's <laughs> word and knowing that only source of wisdom yeah, no, that's great. I, I think of, um, you know, there's the famous story of, of basically one of the great counterfeit, uh, you know, um, artists or, or person that works for the government to be able to figure out counterfeit bills. And, and they were asked, well, how do you do that well is you study the real thing as much as you can. Right? When you know that so well, you'll notice every single little difference in, in something that's fake. And I think it's, it's what you're saying even. I think it's really critical to make a distinction in your mind between knowledge. Knowledge is not necessarily wisdom, but it helps. And wisdom, knowledge and wisdom, knowledge is the accumulation of information, enlightenment. Wisdom is the skillful use of that knowledge. Hmm. It's the craftsman that you talked about right. originally. Only a craftsman with biblical knowledge applied to your life. So this is the way I can avoid follies of life, first of all, don't think I'm, I'm really mature and advanced in the faith because I know things. Back in the Greek school, they used to say, to know and not to do is not to know. You can say I know when I've experienced a truth of life. Yeah. And so I think sometimes people just, they think knowledge protects them. They forget that it's the application of it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a great word. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, you see this often in churches where you have these uh, people that you know know all types of Bible verses and sermons, and and they can name you all of these things. But then you look at their you know family life, for instance, and it's it's a wreck, or their their work situation because they know a lot. 
but it's not being applied in how they're actually living. Right? And so that's where we have to be careful is just because we know the truths of scripture, that's different than knowing how to actually live it out. Yeah. Other thoughts, maybe from this side of the room? Um, how can we flee, follow, and pursue wisdom? Yeah. Okay. So, so prayer, right? That's good. Yeah. Any other thoughts of how we're able to? I guess putting it plainly, just hang around those who are wise. Mm. I mean, seek out. Yeah. Seek out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's obviously what you see in the Proverbs as well, right? You, know, you become like the people that you're around. So, yes, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, so be around those that are wiser, that can offer you wisdom. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, say that again, Madonna. Yeah, good. So why we can't live as islands, but we need other people that are speaking truth into our life. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, great. So as we're hearing from John, we know that we have the Spirit indwelling in us, and so we pray to God, but we can also pray specifically for the Holy Spirit's help and illumination to understand the right uh, way to apply Scripture. That's good. Yeah. Any other comments? Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I think you guys basically covered a, a lot of what I was going to um, you know, unpack here, but hopefully looking at it from this perspective can be helpful. Um, so everything you guys shared uh, was very good. So here's kind of the summary statement I'll make about our procurement of wisdom. Uh, and this is what you see in Proverbs, that wisdom is free to all, but it's costly to obtain. Right? So any person, if you accept Christ, if you're wanting to pursue and get wisdom, you can. It will be available to you, but it's going to be incredibly costly to obtain in the sense that it does take significant amount of effort uh, and planning and priority in your life. And so there's kind of two general headings I'll give here, and I think a lot of you already shared this. Um, The first one is that we have to attentively listen to God's word. So why don't we turn to Proverbs 2 for a little bit, because this is one of those sections I love to camp on. Um, Because again, if you're thinking about chapters 1 and 9 being the opening of Proverbs, this is where uh, Solomon is trying to tell you this is what you need to do. If you want to pursue wisdom, if you want to forsake folly, this needs to be your heart posture. Uh, can someone read this for us? Proverbs uh, 2, 1 to 5. Okay, Dan. Sure. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, <clears throat> making your, your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it <clears throat> as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Mm, thank you. All right, so this is a passage I would really encourage us to maybe meditate on even this week because here Solomon's telling us what we need to do, who we need to be if we want to be able to receive God's wisdom and apply the rest of this book. Um, there's really kind of two uh, sections of actions that I want to look at. The first one is the grouping of the first four verbs. So if you're looking at verse uh, 1 and verse 2, it's these words that you see. Receive treasure, be attentive, and incline your heart. Uh, We don't have time to do a full breakdown of every single word, but altogether, this is the idea of a person who is so desperate to know something that you just want to hold on to it no matter what. You don't want to lose it. You don't want uh, to let it go. And you're just, you know, you're thinking about it as much as you can. You're delighting in it. 
Uh, I don't know what hobbies all of you guys have, but you know, if you really enjoy something, whether it's a sport, whether it's you know, some kind of TV show, you probably found yourself being in one of the circumstances where you're just thinking about it a lot. Right? You, know, you want to know more about certain characters, or if you like basketball, how to shoot better, all the, the aspects of technique, whatever it may be, that's the kind of posture we need to have towards wisdom in which we're saying, whatever it is, wherever it is, I want to dwell on it. I want to know it. I want to think about it. And so this would be the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible, right? It's one thing to be told, yeah, I need to read this because it's going to be for my good. It's another thing to say, how can I so dwell on it in my mind that I'm thinking about it all the time? I'm asking God what this means for my life. I'm, I'm allowing it to so saturate my heart. And that's the kind of posture we need to have with God's word and wisdom if we want to be able to grow in our ability to be wise. And then the, the second group of uh, actions you see is verse 3 to verse 5. And it's these words that you hear, to call out, to raise your voice, to seek and to search. And some of you had already mentioned prayer, right? I think that's a huge part of it is being willing to actually vocalize, say, God, I don't have wisdom on my own. Please help me. But in general, I think it's capturing this picture of a person that's not just sitting where they are, but they're willing to actually go out there and get something, right? It's one thing to say, hey, whenever I'm hearing God's truth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here, I'm going to take it in, and I'm going to think about it. But it, it's a whole other thing to say, I'm going to leave where I am, sitting on the couch or at home, and I'm going to go find something that I absolutely need to find, um, I might have shared this with some of you in a previous class, but you know, I play a lot with my wedding ring. And the negative side of that is I often lose it, right? So, you know, for better or worse, when I go to sleep, I don't actually wear it. I kind of set this and my watch to the side. Depending on what I'm doing, you know, I might be, you know, fiddling around with it. There's been many times where it's fallen off of my hand without me realizing it. And uh, I've had to realize that I need to go find it, right? To keep a ha happy and healthy marriage. And, um, <laughs> I, I even remember, to my shame, at one of the men's retreats, I had to go up to kind of the, the welcome area where they have their people and say, do you guys have a wedding ring that's here somewhere? Because I lost it. Thankfully, they did. Unfortunately, this is probably the third one I've had because, um, yeah, I, I tend to lose this thing, you know. But that's why I have like three extras because if it's gone, <laughs> these things are like $15 on Amazon. You know, I can always get another one. And no, this is not a sign of how I view my marriage. Marriage is a beautiful, wonderful thing. I just know that I tend to lose stuff a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But when I have these moments where I don't know where it is, I do go into a little bit of a panic mode. Right? And then I am running around the house as best as I can with my ankle to dig through all of the, you know, the cupboards and all of my pants saying, where is that ring? And eventually I, I do find it you know, most of the time. But that's the kind of posture we need to have with God's wisdom. It's not just, I'm going to sit here and whenever I'm being told good truths, I'm happy to receive it. But it's the active search of God's wisdom saying, how can I better understand God's word? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to speak to um, so I can learn more and more about guidance for how to actually apply wisdom, right? So, you know, who are the individuals I can go to, which we'll see in just a second, but these are the types of actions that we need to take if we want to be able to find wisdom. And, and as you're hearing these words, the, these things that we need to do, I think you're already capturing probably some of the perspectives we need to have about wisdom or God's word. 
See, none of us are going to run after scripture, meditate on it in our hearts, you know, pray to God desperately for it if we don't see God's word and wisdom as being valuable, right? And that's why you see a couple times that God's wisdom is ascribed as a person seeking after treasure, right? In verse four, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so the, the person that's going to be able to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God is a person that understands just what God's word is and offers. And that requires a basic understanding of what we lack, right? Here's just three examples. There's so many more that you can write down that we need to believe in order to properly treasure or value God's wisdom. Here's one. You know, do you realize that you are naturally a danger to yourself? That on our own strength and effort, we will deceive ourselves and we will go down the wrong path. Uh, another question, which we've covered already, do you really believe and recognize that God is offering you the best life possible? That it is the good life to follow after him? You know, do you really believe that you need God's voice directing your steps or not? You know, do, do you believe that if you follow him, you will be able to avoid the pitfalls of life? But if you don't, if you forsake his voice, you will fall astray. Because those are the types of heart beliefs, those core beliefs we have in our heart, which based on how you're really seeing life, you will run and seek wisdom or you will not. Right? Those types of core beliefs in your heart will determine if you hear someone's biblical counsel and say, I don't need that, I got my own way of living. Or to say, no, this is a desperate truth that I need to memorize and saturate my heart with. And so again, wisdom can only be really gained if you have a genuine desire for God and his counsel. And that's why wisdom isn't something that you can force on another person, right? As much as, you know, if you're a parent or you know someone that you want to speak truth to, you know, you can do everything you can to convince them of the truth, right? You know, and you should, you give counsel, you pray for them. But ultimately, it has to be a person's heart posture, which says, I absolutely need this. Until they're there, until God has so worked in their heart, you can only do so much to share God's truth. So that's kind of the first general category. We need to attentively listen to God's word, seek after it desperately as something like treasure. But then, as it was already said, um, we also need to humbly seek and receive outside counsel. Uh, we're going to have a whole uh, week just on relationships as seen in Proverbs. There's way too much there that we don't have time for, but I just want to mention this briefly, that uh, wisdom is often received not only by listening to God's word, but by listening to God's people. And so you have Proverbs 4, 1 and 2. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Right? So, yes, we have to listen to the voice of Scripture. Um, but, as we see so much, even in the New Testament, we have to receive the exhortations, the encouragements, the counsel of other wise people. And this is why, as we know as New Testament believers, that the church is so important, because it's not just enough if we're by ourselves or just with our family. We need outside voices from wise individuals to speak truth in ways that we might not always see. Um, we have to make sure that we have the right relationships with people who are then able to speak truth into our life. Um, we'll say a lot more when we get to that in a couple weeks, so I'll stop there. But uh, yeah, Kara. So I know that we had said that Proverbs is 
Yeah, principles, not promises, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. Yes, that is. Yeah, and so it's it's almost like when you read in James one, right, where it's saying, you know, if you ask for wisdom, God will yeah. give it to you. Um, yeah, so, so there are some of these Proverbs, you know, specific statements, which from the Christian life, we know are general truths, right? If you do seek after God, you will know the fear of the Lord. Um, I would say this idea of the principles, not promises, applies to a lot of the general statements that you see, especially as you go into chapter 10 and beyond, you know, things like train up your child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. But uh, that's, a, that's a really good point that you're bringing up there. So just as we're kind of wrapping up, and I'd love to hear from you guys a little bit more too, um, I just wanted to leave us with a couple more practical things to think about. If we're understanding uh, the danger of folly, we understand that it's something we have to run away from, that we need to pursue wisdom, and that wisdom is known um, as we pursue God and his word and his counsel. Uh, here's just a couple practical things to think about as we go into this week. So here's some practical steps. Wherever you are in your life, I don't know everyone's schedules, everyone's priorities are different, but we can always do more to carve out more time to spend with God and his word in prayer, right? So everyone will naturally say, hey, um, I don't have time for X, Y, and Z in our life, right? But we know that we'll prioritize, we'll make time for things that are important for us. And so um, regardless of how much time you think you have with, you know, scripture, you know, just think about how can I spend even more time this upcoming week this upcoming year to really know what God has to say in his word. Uh, secondly, and related to that is to carve out more time for self-reflection and schedule change. And again, if that's the idea that we're all going to have priorities, there are things that we say are most important. We all have the same amount of hours during the week, but we start off by saying certain things are non-negotiable. I have to do this. Therefore, what time do I have left over? We need to actually take time. We have to allot time so we can actually sit down and say, okay, what am I prioritizing right now? And is this something that honors the Lord? Or do I need to make changes in my schedule, in my priorities, in my hobbies to make sure that I am able to uh, love the Lord, to, to actually examine and assess and ask God for help to know where I actually stand before him? Uh, so oftentimes, if you have a busy schedule, as I think a lot of us do, we get caught up in the rat race of just going through the motions, and then you don't realize when you've passed three or five years and nothing has changed. And so if we want to practically be able to seek God's wisdom that requires taking time to pause, think about what we're doing and what we're prioritizing and saying, Lord, does this actually honor you? And thirdly, which again goes to the point we just said in the previous slide, uh, we need to carve out more time with wise people whom you allow to point out your flaws. And, and that last part, I think, is, is critical. What I mean is you can spend all the time in the world with other people that will tell you all kinds of biblical truths of what you should do and what you should not. But unless you're going into those conversations with this pre-prayer, predetermined heart posture where you're going to say, I will listen to counsel, all the counsel in the world is going to do you no good. Right, if you're walking down the path of folly. 
And so a big part of living a wise Christian life is to have the kind of heart posture where you're saying, God, as I'm listening to people who are pointing me to scripture, right? Not, not arbitrary statements, but things that are coming from your word, I have to be willing to listen to it. I have to be willing to change my life, even if it hurts, even if I don't want to. And that's, that's a decision that only a person can make, right? No one can force you to have that kind of hard posture. Um, but if, if you want to be able to listen to the wisdom of God, to benefit from the wisdom of Proverbs, uh, that's a heart posture that we have to actually decide for ourselves. Um, but thankfully, that's why we pray. Uh, that's why we have the help of God. Because if you're not in a place to do this, ask God to change you. Ask God to change your heart. And uh, he might bring something a little bit painful in your life, but um, that might be how he uses circumstances to refine us as we are. Okay, a couple of reflection questions, and I'd love just to hear your guys' comments or questions to close. Uh, here's a couple of questions to, to think about as you're going into this next week. Uh, what does your relationship to Scripture look like? Right? So regardless of how much are you reading it, are you not? When you're reading it, are you desperate? Are you hungry? Are you open? Are you saying, God, when I read this, this is the path to eternal life. This is the path to wisdom. I need to know your word. Or is it the kind of relationship where maybe you are reading because you know it's something good to do, but you're just checking off a box. You want to be religious. You know, you, you want certain people off your back. I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. What does your relationship to God through his word look like? And then secondly, what does your weekly schedule look like? And what are your heart priorities based on your time commitments? Right, so practically, as we're all making decisions, as we have the things which we know are most important, we're spending a lot of time on it, based on how we're living our life, based on what we focus on during the week, what does it actually say about what you're worshiping? What do your decisions and priorities say about what you love most in life? Uh, and again, could a third party, not that you're trying to do this legalistically, but if, if someone that you didn't know, they didn't see your name attached to it, were to see your schedule, what would they say about what this person actually values in life? And then based on you know, how you're thinking through your, your schedule, that, that's where you can make some changes, right? Okay, what, as I'm going into the rest of this year, what am I truly focusing on this year? And then thirdly, this is just a reflection question to go to that uh, other slide. How often have you changed your perspective or made significant choices based on the counsel of God's word and wise people in the church? Right? One of the really practical ways you can think about, hey, am I applying God's wisdom or not? Think about this last year, the last 365 days out of the year. How often have I changed my natural bents and choices based on the counsel of God's word and God's people? I'm not saying it has to be a certain number of times. Again, this isn't to be legalistic, but in general, do you have enough wise voices speaking truth into your life? Are you willing to respond and listen to that? And if not, I'm not saying that means that there's all kinds of issues, but there's the possibility that you're actually just listening to your own voice instead of the voice of God. Um, so that's all I have for us here. Uh, but I, I'd love to kind of open it to the rest of us as we're finishing up. Any thoughts or questions about these questions, about anything else that we've covered? Do you have your own ways or uh, recommendations of how we can be living a kind of wise or good life as we're going into the rest of this year? Any other thoughts?
Yeah. About the actual text, like when we read uh, Proverbs 26, 6 through 11, in a lot of the examples that are given there, don't exactly make sense to me. Did they make sense to the audience that it was written for back then? So, like, oh, okay, because like um, a lame man's legs are changed, you know. Useless is a. Yeah, so sometimes you do just have to listen to the word, picture it, and sometimes you might need some uh, you know, context from the era. I would say that one, if you were to literally just picture it, I think you'll see that it makes sense. So it's saying, a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. So in other words, just as a person who's paralyzed from the waist down literally cannot do anything with their legs, in a sense, it's useless. For that person who's a fool, even if they know a proverb, even if they're able to say it, it's basically useless in the sense that they're not able to apply it. So yeah, sometimes you will have to try to understand better the context of what's going on in that time period to understand how to apply it. Sometimes if you were to just picture it, you can kind of get a sense of, of what he's trying to describe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Other thoughts, questions? Pastor Jerry? I was thinking about the first nine chapters that you were talking about. Seven of the chapters all begin with my son, my son. Mm. And I thought, you know, that's a practical way that you teach your children to just focus in on those chapters mm. alone. And you've got a wealth of wisdom that you can impart to them. Yeah. He, he was speaking to his son, who, by the way, Yes, well, and as we know, even Solomon himself, who compiled a lot of the wisdom, unfortunately didn't live by it. Solomon's evidence of the fact that God can give you wisdom, but there's no guarantee he'll use it. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, and and again, so, I mean, without going too much into the, the background, the way that this first part is written is, as you're saying, writing to his son or son saying, listen to this. That is the instruction for all families, but really for all people and believers to, to really heed. So it's good. Yeah. Any other thoughts, questions you guys have? Well, I was like Pastor Jerry. I kept seeing that my son thing, and to me it was God's family. It's like God talking to us, my son, my daughter, mm-hmm. listening to these words. So I kept seeing faith. Yeah. It requires faith. It does, yeah. So, you know, the fool says in his heart there is no God, so the fool is not going to take. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, that's great, right? If we truly see that he is the God, the Father who loves and cares for us, then when we hear those words as we do with, you know, our parents, it's, I need to heed this and listen to it seriously. So, that's good. Any other comments or questions? Okay. Well, once again, I just want to say thank you guys for uh, sitting in through this material. Uh, I know that these first two classes might seem a little bit abstract or kind of meta or big picture because these are really just trying to set the, the groundwork, so to speak, for the rest of, of what we're going to hear. So just like as in Proverbs, you see chapter 1 and 9 is kind of setting the stage. Then you go into chapters 10 to 31. That's where you're hearing the wisdom proper. That's what we're going to be doing for the last four weeks together, right? So in the first week, we covered how should we understand Proverbs and wisdom in general. Uh, Today was knowing how to avoid folly and pursue wisdom. The rest of our time is going to be going over the specific topics that you see. So we're going to cover everything that God has to say about speech, the way that we relate to people, 
Uh, we're going to talk about relationships, you know, interpersonally and friendship, uh, thinking about the people that we spend time with, parenting, marriage. Uh, we're going to spend a week talking about what God has to say about work, about money, our finances, things like that. And then another one, which uh, I'll see how far we get because there's, there's too many topics. But um, hopefully you found this helpful. If not, let me know. Uh, I would love to be able to figure out how we can make this you know, better for the last four weeks. But um, thank you guys so much for participating. Uh, as always, we just want to quickly close by going over some brief announcements. So uh, again, if, if you haven't uh, considered it, please sign up to bring snacks one of these weeks. It, uh, it always feels better to you know, uh, listen to a lecture or discussion with food in your stomach, right? So consider bringing something here. Uh, but just for a couple of the announcements, we've already mentioned the, uh, the winter retreats we have for the youth students. So if you parents have kids in either middle school or high school, uh, the signups and the dates are available there. As we've said before, we have newcomer night coming up on January 26th. So if you're uh, relatively new to the church, you've never been, we'd love to see you there. Uh, to mention a couple things for men and women. So for those uh, men, you know, we have a forge starting backup on the 26th as well. So again, we're going to be going over uh, anthropology. You know, how do we uh, understand what God says about humanity and all the different aspects there? Um, there's going to be a lot of topics covered, so I'd really recommend that. If you're uh, a lady, we are going to be having the, the Galantine Gala on February 3rd. So again, it's just another fellowship opportunity with some ladies in the church. I think some food and a chance to hear and learn more about gratitude in various seasons of life. Uh, also on the, the day before Friday, uh, February 2nd, there's going to be an all-church meeting. Uh, again, that's our annual meeting going over some of the finances of the church, in general some things that are taking place, uh, what the rest of the year could potentially look like. Um, but also we're going to have a number of baptisms there as well. So I know it's real encouraging just to hear how the Lord has worked in some of our members' hearts, and so we'd love to um, see you all there. And uh, yeah, if you want to see any of the information, you can literally go on the church app and then click on each one. And, uh, oh, wait. Oh, maybe not. Okay, so you can't actually click on it. <laughs> I take that back. You can find the, uh, the information on somewhere. But uh, if I can just say again, thank you guys so much for uh, taking the time. Uh, let me pray again as we close out, and then uh, we'll go from here. Heavenly Father, uh, again, we thank you for uh, your word, this chance we have to be able to study it. And uh, God, just to even know that you're giving us these words of life really for our benefit. Um, even as we heard from John 17 today, we know that we're called to live for your glory and it's in knowing you that we can have eternal life. Uh, and so, Lord, wherever we are this morning in our relationship to you, in our understanding of your word and wisdom and folly, I pray that you would so convict our hearts and you would help us to be uh, softer, more humble in the way that we approach your counsel. Um, for those of us that um, are walking down the path of folly, I pray that you would uh, take us off of it. You would bring whatever circumstances are needed in our life, the trials to uh, convict us of our need for you, and that all of us may follow the path of wisdom, to know and love and fear you, and to know how to apply your word in every single circumstance and situation. And so we thank you, and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.